This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast and God bless. Amen. Thank you, Adam. I am excited uh, to be able to speak to y'all this morning. Adam uh, did talk to me weeks ago and and asked me to uh, preach this morning and asked me if I would continue in this series of The Great Story. Y'all know that he began a series uh, called The Great Story a couple of weeks ago and has spent the last two weeks walking through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And uh, he said we looked at the calendar and found something that was convenient for us. And the truth is it was just convenient for Adam. Um, Adam was gone this week celebrating his anniversary. And we are grateful that Amy has stayed with him all these years. Um, Definitely something to celebrate. Um, Adam preached Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in two sermons. He gave me Abraham and I have 11 chapters to do in one service. And so... Uh, I hope Adam enjoyed his week and he's refreshed because I've been freaking out all week long. Um, Scared to death, to be honest. Your first impression as I stand before you and then he comes in to sit on the front row and intimidate me even further. Um, Seriously, it's it's always exciting to spend time in God's Word. And uh, we are blessed to sit under a pastor who brings it week after week. I have a new appreciation for what Adam is doing for our congregation and and excited to be part of sharing the great story with you this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, uh, we will be looking at the life of Abraham. There's a a good bit of background that we're going to try to get through in order to to see the big picture of of who Abraham was and what God did in his life. one of the things that we see as we, we look at the great story, the first thing uh, that comes to mind when I read Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1, was, was God's calling to Abraham. If you look in verse 1 of chapter 12, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in, the, in, <clears throat> and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we see here God calls Abram to leave and go somewhere. Go, so, go somewhere that he's going to show him later. Now if I were Abram, I would have to be struggling there. At this point, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're telling me to pick up all that I have and to go. You're telling me to leave all that I know and to go to a different place. You're telling me to leave the security and the comfort of what I have. And, and, and we're not talking about go on a slow journey. But go to a place that you don't even know where you're going. And we don't know how long you're going to be there. You know, I don't know about your relationships or your, your family, but when I tell Hannah we're going to go out, she wants to know where we're we going. She wants to know who we're going to be with, and she wants to know when we're going to be back. And most of the time, she wants to know what she should wear. Abram was told, take everything. You don't know where you're going or how long you're going to be. This wasn't just a, a weekend trip. This was move your life. A, a huge calling that, that God had placed on Abram's life. And Abram's response we see in verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. 
You know, so many times we hear about Abraham and, and how he was a great man of faith. And right here we see God called him to do something. And he went and he did it. He heard from God. He obeyed God. And he altered his life accordingly. Now, it's important that that we recognize it wasn't just that he heard from God and he agreed with God. Because week after week, we're all all guilty to hear from God and nod our head and say amen. And yet not alter our lives according to what he's calling us to do. But Abram heard that God wanted him to go and actually did it. It reminds me of a passage in Luke chapter 9. Y'all don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. But Jesus said, if anyone would come after me... Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. See, what we see God saying to Abram here in Genesis is not that much different than what Jesus has said to us as believers. I want you to follow me. I want you to take up your cross daily. I want you to die to yourself. I want you to give up your plans for your life and I want you to follow me and do things my way. And God says to Abram, I want you to take your life and I want you to move it. I want you to trust me. And we see that Abram did just that. But mixed in with God's calling that we see in this passage, we also see God's promise to him. If you look in the first seven verses of Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abram seven things. Seven promises came with this request or this command that he would go. He said, I will show you a land and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you and I will give your offspring this land. So Abram not only was called to go and do something, but he had a promise that God said, if you go and do this, when you go and do this, this is what I'm going to do for you. And you know, you and I can resonate with that because if we've read our scripture, we know that God's called us to a life and he saved us from our sin, but he has a, a plan for our life and he has a hope for our future. You see, he doesn't just give us commands and he doesn't just give us these promises and expect us not to do something with them. But, but not only the command, it also has the follow-up of a promise that what he's going to do in our lives as well. You see, it seems extreme when you first look that God would call him to go and do this. But it's also exciting and incredible because of the promises that he knew were going to happen. But there wasn't a, a, a large amount of faith there on Abram's part. Because he didn't have any children. He didn't have any heirs. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He had no proof what God was going to do. He didn't own any land, and yet God was talking about giving him all of this land, and, 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 it, and it wasn't making sense. So there was a huge element of faith that we see, and we see that Abram went. Now in verse 3, we talk about the great story and what God is knitting together from Old Testament to New. And in verse 3, we see all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. And this is a, a hint that through the line of Abram, through his children and their children, through that line, the whole world will be blessed. And it's a hint that the Redeemer will come through your line. Christ, the Redeemer, is coming. Adam was talking about the fall and he said, one will come that will bruise your head. And it was a beautiful picture of the fall that, that, that the Christ would come and, and conquer sin. And it's a picture of the, of the rest of the story. And we see that so beautifully in this passage. But you know, so many times the commands of Scripture and the promises are linked for you and I as well. 
When I think about Scripture and when I read through Scripture, it's so easy for me to, to, to read a command of Scripture and be overwhelmed. And, and I can only imagine what Abram felt when he heard, take all that you have and go to a place I'm not even going to tell you. But, but, but when, we, when we add the promises of God, it becomes easier to obey, doesn't it? When we add who God is into the mix, it becomes easier to trust in His commands. I think of the verse that says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Accompanied with the promise that all of these things will be added to you as well. Yes, seek first His kingdom. That's going to be hard to to focus on that. but, But He has a promise that things will be added to us as well. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you. That, that can be a difficult thing to address. But the rest of the verse is, I will give you rest. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Something that we at Rosemont have been talking a lot about for the, for the last couple of months. That can be an incredibly intimidated verse. How am I going to go and make disciples of all nations? How is God going to use me? What would I say? How would I do this? This doesn't make sense. But the rest of the passage says, And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not asking us to go and do things without Him. He's inviting us to come along the journey of where He's going to be working. And that's what He was saying to Abram. I want you to, to leave this place and I want you to go to a place I'm going to show you because I'm going to do great things in and through your line. I want you to trust me and come and be at work where we're going to be. And you and I have the same invitation from God that we would be involved. When we trust in Him and we follow Him, we also have the promises. And the greatest reward that we're going to have is fellowship with Him along the journey. You see, God loves us and He wants to spend time with us and He has a plan for us. Now, very quickly, we're going to try to run through just, just Genesis 12 and, and following and see kind of Abram. And he trusted the Lord and he left on this journey. So he goes on this journey, and, and, and his wife is barren. They were old. They, they had little comfort. They found themselves going to a strange place and living among a strange people. And the blessings and the promises that God had promised hadn't shown up yet. Years later, they're living in a place with strange people, and the blessings and the promises haven't happened But God, you said if I left, you would give me. But I don't have any heirs. But you said if I left, that you would bless me. But here we are, and and, and things weren't making sense. And and to add to that, a famine came upon the land. And so now there there wasn't food. And so he's he's sitting there and he's saying, now what, God? Here I am. Why did you bring me to this place? Does that sound familiar to any of y'all? Do we ever find ourselves questioning those things? I remember my, my very first mission trip, I, I, was, I was going to Ghana, West Africa, and I went with a friend of mine who, who was a former football player for a, a university that's not important to anybody, and we won't even talk about those people, but we went, and one of the things about this football player was, was he, he loved his air conditioning, all right? I, I, I stayed with him the night before we left. He kept his, his thermostat on 60, literally. I was freezing the night before we left to go on this trip. I didn't know that, that thermostats went that low. And, and so we get on the plane, we fly all night, we, we land in Ghana, West Africa, and can I tell you that it, was, it wasn't warm, it was hot. It was smoltering hot. And we get on the bus and we drive out and we get to our hotel, if we want to call it that, and, and we walk in and there's a, a room with a mattress on the floor, a box fan, and a sheet. 
And it's kind of like, okay, God, here we are. <laughs> and so I went to my room. He went to his room. There was a whole bunch of us. We all went to our rooms. Well, he tells us this story the next morning. He tells us how he sat and he, and he cried out to God and said, God, I, I had a successful career and I left that to go into the ministry. You know that, that, that I did that for you and now you've called me to go on this mission trip and I've obeyed you and I've come here and I've done what you've asked for me to do. And here I am with nothing but a mattress and a box fan. I've left my wife and I miss her terribly and I can't believe that, that you put me in this place. And he, and he goes and he, and he gets up and he pulls the fan closer. He thinks maybe if it's sitting right beside his head that that might help him. And, and, and when he did, he pulled the, the wires out of the wall. Now, he didn't pull the plug out of the wall. It's not like you and I where we plug it back in and, you know, fix that. Literally pulled the little dangly wires out of the wall, and therefore there was no fan the rest of the night. And so he laid down, as he says, in his pool of sweat and began to argue with the Lord some more. The only comfort that I had was this fan, and now you've taken that away from me. Really, you've brought me to this place. And he confessed the next morning. He said, I opened my eyes after my little pity party. And I looked up on the wall and there was a a picture of a cross with a Jesus on it. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me that all of my sacrifices and all of my whining and all of my wondering about why I was there came into perspective. And when I think about Abram, when I read this about Abram and how he he found himself called to this place with these strange people and it didn't make sense to him and his wife was not only old but barren and and the promise of God that there would be a line that would come through them and nothing was making sense for him, I thought about how, how helpless he must have felt. For you and I, we know the cross, we know the rest of the story, we know that the Redeemer has come. But he lived in a place they were still waiting on the Redeemer. And now he's been told the Redeemer is to come through the line of his son. Oh, he must have yearned to have a son and yet didn't have one. And so he, he finds himself in this place and the famine hits and he flees to Egypt. To be honest, not trusting that God was going to provide for his needs. He gets to Egypt and, and tells people his wife is his sister. Because to be honest, he wasn't trusting that God was going to protect him from Pharaoh. Pharaoh finds out and sends him away and, uh, you know, the story goes on. But we read that the Lord promised Abram, as far as you can see will be given to you. As far as you can see in any direction is going to be given to you. In the midst even of his uncertainty about what God was going to do. In, In the midst of his faithlessness, God was still affirming him and telling him what he was going to accomplish. The Lord said to Abram, fear not, I am your shield, your great, your reward shall be great. What, a, what an amazing pa- pa- passage that, that God says, I am your shield. And Abram begins to question him, but, but, but God, I don't have any kids, but God, I don't have an heir, I don't have anybody, and I don't understand how this is going to be. And so the Lord makes a covenant with Abram. So he's called him away, he's given him promises, and now God makes a covenant with him. And says, look at the stars, can you count the stars? No, there there are too many to count. So shall your offspring be, trust me. You can just hear God in the midst of all of this, as Abram's walking through and wondering, God, what are you doing, what are you doing, what are you doing? God's just reassuring, trust me, I'm going to do this. 
Trust me, I'm going to do this. And yet, yet he's waiting on that to happen. And we see Abram said this. And Abram believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. Wow. When, when our circumstances don't make a lick of sense, when God promises something and we don't understand how it's going to work out, Abram trusted him, believed him, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I don't know about you, but, but God needed me in this passage of Scripture this week. God had me studying this all week long to remind me when, when situations don't make any sense that I can believe on the Lord because He is able to make it right. And we see this amazing story unfolding of Abraham having to trust in God. Now Sarah has heard Abram tell her, we're going to have a child and, and the Redeemer is going to come through our line and he's going to bless the nations through this person and, and we, we've, we're going to have a child. And this is years and years and years later. And so Sarah says, well, I'm past the, the time that I can have kids. There's no way that I can do this for you. Obviously, we need to make some kind of an arrangement. And so he, she sent him to Hagar, her servant, in order to have a child. And they did have a child. Ishmael, again, tried to help God out. Help God kind of figure all of this out. And that didn't turn out great. And there was uh, conflict between Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. And, you know, Abram stuck in the middle of that. And in Genesis 17, the Lord appeared to Abram. I'm just flying through. This is a huge overview, but we're getting where we're going. Y'all just stick with me. The Lord appeared to Abram in Genesis 17, beginning in verse 1. Now, Abram is 99 years old. And... Here's what he hears. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now we could sit and simmer on that and be done for the day. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to fix it. Walk before me. Listen to me. Follow me. I will make a covenant with you and multiply you greatly. You shall be the father of many nations. Your name will be Abraham. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will establish a covenant between you and your offspring throughout generations to come. And I will give them this land. And I will be their God. You know, we wonder how Abraham was, Abraham was able to make these, these huge decisions because he heard God Almighty tell him, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to be their God and I am, I've got this. And he told Abraham he was going to give him a son, even though you're 99 years old. I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. And sure enough, Isaac was born at the time that it was appointed. God was faithful and God showed his faithfulness in Abraham's life and gave him Isaac. Now it took years for that to happen and lots of mistakes and and waffling along the way but there's that moment where Isaac was born. And that brings us to Genesis chapter 22 which is where we want to spend the remainder of our time this morning. God had established this covenant with Abraham and had promised him many things and he gave him Isaac. He had told him that Isaac was going to be the, 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 the line in which the Redeemer was going to come. Everything spiritual that, that, that Abraham was hoping for, he knew would happen through his son Isaac. 
and all of his hopes for being for, for the Redeemer were going to come through Isaac. God had been faithful in giving him Isaac. And, and God had been faithful to keep the covenant that he had told him. And all of this was beginning to come together. Now Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Here I am. I love that. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offering there is a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I will tell you. I absolutely have no comprehension of what those words sounded like. Take your son whom you love, your only son, and go and sacrifice him. You know, I, I have children and people told me when I had kids that I would love them more than I, that, that I could ever explain. And, and, and when Hannah and I were expecting our first son, I was so excited. And, and, and through our circumstances, he was born premature and we were really scared. And, and instantly I had a love for my son that, that I can't explain to you. And so when I, when I read this, it, it just absolutely blows my mind. And so here is Abraham with this, with this struggle, this conflict in his life. Not only because it's his only son whom he loves, but also because it is the son of the promise. It is the one God made the covenant about. God said the Redeemer is going to come through this line. How in the world could this be? If we do what we're told to do here, there's no way that God's going to be able to accomplish what he said he was going to do. And so there's this conflict going on in Abraham's life. He knew that God could do the impossible. God had given him a son at 100 years old. That's more than impossible. God had done that. But, but God. So he had to decide, what's God doing here? The first option was that God had missed it. Maybe God's waffled. He's changing his plans. Maybe God's just you know, missing it here. But that had never been Abraham's experience before. It's never been my experience and it's never been yours. God is God and he has never let any of us down. We have, we have no question that God is God. And the, other, the only other option is that although this makes absolutely no sense that God can be trusted. And that was the experience that Abraham had learned. You see, when we, when we look and read, if you read Genesis 12 all the way to 22, you see there were times that, that Abraham trusted God and God was faithful. There were times that Abraham didn't trust God and God was faithful anyway. Does that, does that sound like your life too or is it just me? There's times that I've trusted God and I'm really proud of this faithful stand that I've made and God was good in those moments. And there's times that I doubted and, and I waffled and God was still faithful. And his unlimited patience in my life continued to pull me in the direction that I needed to go. So, Abraham's response, verse 3. Early in the morning he rose, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God had told him. You see, Abraham had a choice, and then the choice he made was in that moment to trust God because God can be trusted, because God is faithful, because God was his friend, because God could do anything, because God was worthy, but more importantly, because God had promised. God had promised him that he was going to do these things, and he didn't know how it was going to be accomplished, but in that moment, he went knowing that God had promised it and that God was able 
I, I think of the hymn standing on the promises because there's just this moment in Abraham's life that he had to trust God and stand on the promise of God that God had said he was going to do this through his son Isaac. And that, that this didn't make any sense at all, but he was going to see how this could work out. He couldn't fathom how he could accomplish the sacrifice and still do what he said he was going to do, but he left that difficulty up to God. And that is faith. Faith not only believing God, but acting on it. Because all of us can sit and listen to God, God's word and believe, yes, God could do that. Yes, God could do that. But it's a different thing to take our life and say, yes, God could do that. And I'm going to trust him in it. And that's where Abraham found himself on that morning. Without delay, early in the morning, he got up and he went. And for three days, he traveled with his son. For three days, they walked to the mountain that God had called him to go to. And I can't imagine what he was thinking. I can't imagine what he was going through. I can't imagine him wrestling in his mind. I, I know that he was talking to his son. Do you know that we love God? Yes. Do you know that we trust God? Of course we do, Daddy. Okay, well, we're, we're trusting God right now. Why, why is God doing this? How is God going to work this out? It doesn't make any sense to me. Is God a liar? No, he's not a liar. Has God always been faithful to me? Yes, he's always been faithful. Is, is, what does God require of me here? Well, obedience. I'm going to do it. Is God powerful enough to fix this? Yes, does this make sense? There's no part about this that makes sense. For three days, you, you, you just get the sense of him and his son walking and working this out. But at the end of the three days, we find out what he, what it, what he came up with. Because when he got to the base of the mountain, he told the servants to stay. And you know the story. He said, y'all stay here because me and my son are going to go up and we're going to worship. And then we're going to come back down to you again. And in that moment, he said, we're going to trust God. And, and, and as they walked up that mountain, it was worship for them to obey. Their obedience was worship. He was going to do the sacrifice, which had to happen. Without the remission of blood, there's no... Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. He knew that that had to go on. And so he marched up that mountain. And in that moment, Isaac looked up at his dad and said, Dad, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb. I don't know what Abraham was thinking when he said that. I don't know if he was thinking the Lord's got a lamb up there at the top of that hill, I hope. Or if, or if he was acknowledging that all that he has was God's. And, and Isaac, he gave me you as a gift and he's asked you to be the sacrifice and you're going to be the lamb. I don't know what he was thinking. But, but, but he was correct in saying that God would provide. Faith in the midst of circumstances that made no sense at all knowing that His ways were higher than our ways and trusting in the only thing that we could trust in. And so Abraham obeyed. And we know that he got to the top and he, and he built an altar and he laid the wood and he bound his son, his son whom he loved, and he placed him on the altar and he took the knife. There are no words for the impossible circumstances that, that put Abraham in this place. And then in an instant, an angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. You can just picture him. Here, here I am. I'll stop everything to hear what God has to say right now because I know that God's going to fix this. I, know, I knew he was going to do something. What is he going to do? And the angel said, I know that you fear God because you 
have obeyed. I know that you fear God because you have obeyed. It's the first time the word obey has been used in the Bible. And fear God, not in a what you're going to do to me kind of way, but fear God in a I know that you have a plan and I don't want to miss out on whatever that plan is. I want to be part of whatever you're going to accomplish. And Abram looked up and in the thicket he saw a ram. And here we see God's love. In that thicket he saw a ram and, 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 and in that moment God's love is shown. And this is how it is. God gave Abraham a substitute for the sacrifice. You hear what, what happened in that moment? There had to be a sacrifice. God demanded Isaac. And then in that moment, God provided a ram. And he was able to take Isaac up, my son whom I love, and unbound him and say, look how big and strong our God is on our behalf. And he went and got that ram. And him and his son sacrificed that lamb. But, but, but don't miss this. The sacrifice still had to happen. There had to be a sacrifice. But there was a substitution in that moment. And this is what we talk about in the great story. This is why we're studying this. Because it looks to the New Testament. It looks to the cross. Because you see the wages of sin is death. And you and I have all sinned against a holy God. And, and, and because of that we all deserve to die. And the gospel says that God so loved the world that he sent his son to be our sacrifice. You see, when we deserve to be on that cross, Jesus came in and said, let me take their sins for them. Let me stand up here and take the burden for them so that they might be forgiven of their sins. And there was this beautiful transaction where he was our sacrifice. In our place condemned, he stood. The punishment that we deserved was placed on him and we were, Isaac, removed and spared and that's a beautiful picture of God and his love for us what we've seen in our study of Abraham is yes that he was a man that loved God and yes he was a man who obeyed God but he wasn't perfect there were times that he didn't trust God there were times that he waffled in his walk with God but overall he learned who God was in those circumstances where he had missed it and by the end of his life when God tested him and said are you willing to give up the son whom you love he was willing to say he had learned at that point how great his God was how big his God was and how worthy his God was and in that moment he was able to say I'll make the sacrifice because God is supreme and God is big and I trust in that it shows us a bigger picture of God's love for man because of what Christ did for us and this points to the New Testament crucifixion of Jesus. You see, because when Jesus was on the cross, nobody said to him, stop. When God placed his son on the cross to pay for our sins, God actually had to watch his son die. Well, that's not theologically correct. The reality is, is God had to turn his head from his son for the first time ever. So that the sin of the world could be placed on the cross. And it's a beautiful picture now we could sit and list other people who have been faithful. We could sit and say how faithful Abraham was. And there's many people who have walked with God. But the faithful one in this story is the Lord God Almighty. The faithful one in this story knit together in all of this is the one who one day would send his son to make the ultimate sacrifice. 
And so before we sit and say, I want to be like Abraham, the reality is, is what we need to focus on this morning is how big our God is and how amazing he is and how he keeps his promises from generation to generation and how he has called us to live certain ways. And if we do obey those things, he is faithful. And when we take into account who God is, all of a sudden the the demands that he places on us become possible, don't they? The, The requests that he makes of us become easier to say yes to. And the higher of a view of God we have, the easier that we're going to be able to trust in him. Because faith is just trust, and who we're trusting in is a holy and righteous and perfect God. And our God is trustworthy. Now, I've learned some things this week of why God had me in this passage, but I don't know why he had us to teach this for for all of us this morning. And I don't know what God has for you, but I pray that this morning you would ask yourself, as we close our service, why is it that God would challenge us with this passage of Scripture? For some in this room, it might be that you needed to hear about the sacrifice that was made to pay for your sins because there there may be people in this room that still haven't found the faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Today, you can accept the forgiveness that was made for you by Jesus on the cross and you can be saved from your sins. There's some of you that, that God wants to forgive and show His love and salvation. There's a whole bunch of us in this room that I know that he wants to, to remind us that he can be faithful in the midst of whatever circumstances we have before us. So many of us face circumstances that, to be honest, seem impossible. I have no idea what y'all are going through and, and, and y'all have no idea what I'm going through. But the reality is, is we all have stuff in our lives and things that, that, that seem impossible. And with, with, in our own strength, they probably are. But with God, all things are possible. You know, when I think about uh, forgiving others that, that have hurt us, sometimes that seems incredibly impossible. When I think about the commands that we have in Scripture for us to love our wives as Christ loved the church, sometimes that's impossible. When I think about uh, the, the, the calling God places on us to... To, to, to tithe to the church or to do whatever he asks us to do. Sometimes that just looks impossible. But the promises of Scripture say that God is able and if we trust him in these things, he will be glorified. Why do we celebrate Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son? The only answer to that question has to be because he trusted in a holy God and God was faithful on his behalf. And if you and I come to the place that we would turn those things over to God, then he can make impossible things possible for us. Now, I'm not telling you that he's going to work everything out the way you want to. But when we delight ourselves in him, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. Some of you in this room needed to hear this story because you're holding on to something. Much like Abraham probably was holding on to Isaac. Isaac was his hope of a future. Isaac was the promised one. Isaac was his only son whom he loved, and he he was holding him really tight. And God, that is what God tested him in. Were you willing? Are you willing to give that up for me? You know, Jesus said, if you don't hate your father and brother and mother and sister more than me, then you cannot be my disciple. And what Jesus was saying was not that we should hate our family or our in-laws. But what Jesus was saying is that I want you to place me supreme above all of our other relationships. Yes, you can love these things. Yes, you can love these people. But I 
must be your treasure. And in the moment we see of Abraham, he says, Do you love me more than Isaac? Do you trust me more than what's supposed to happen in Isaac's life? And if you do, show it by your actions. The obedience and the faith we see is not only that he heard from God, that he obeyed God, but he altered his life in order to walk with God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the example we have in Scripture that that Abraham gives us. God, we thank you for the life that Abraham lived and the faith that he had in a holy God that was worthy of response. And Lord God, as we close out this service, we pray for those in this room who who have heard about Christ and have heard about sacrifice and have heard about sin and, to be honest, have never let go of the sin in their life. Lord God, I pray by your Spirit that you would convict of sin and remind that you sent your Son. That you love the world so much that you sent your Son to be the sacrifice for our sins and that those sins can be forgiven. Lord God, I pray for the many in this room who are facing unknown circumstances, things that seem incredibly impossible. Lord, people in this room that that know the commands of Scripture and and the plans that you have and the expectations you have for them, but they're struggling to obey them. God, I pray that because of our time in Genesis this morning, that you would empower them to say, I will trust you because you are trustworthy, that they would stand on the promise that you are God and that you will be their God and you will be strong and you will be their shield. And Lord God, I pray for those in this room who are holding too tightly onto something. Lord, good or bad, no matter what it is, God, would you allow us to to position ourselves with our hands open And say whatever we have is yours because all that we are is because of your grace and your love. And God, may this week we live differently because we've recognized and been reminded that you are God. And you are worthy and you are faithful and you are loving. Lord, have your way in the next few minutes for those who need to respond, for those who need to pray. For those who need to find Christ, may your spirit reign in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We invite you to visit our campus at 3794 Hamilton Road in LaGrange, Georgia. Or visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. God bless you.